So we continue in our sermon series on the book of Isaiah today, but of course, heading into this month, and certainly this Sunday is part of it, I've been charting out and looking at some points of reference to continue to give you. We've completed our deep dive into Isaiah chapter 6. This Sunday and next, we're going to span out a little bit into uh, Isaiah to provide you some more framework. Of course, our Wednesday studies should also be giving you that as well uh, in, a, in a deeper, broader sense. But, but even in these sermons, we have the opportunity to, to scan Isaiah a little bit over the next couple Sundays before then returning to the beginning of the book of Isaiah. And of course, cognizant that today is uh, a really special day in the church calendar and worship calendar, Transfiguration of the Lord Sunday. And in the secular calendar, it's Valentine's Day. So that being said, I thought we should turn to the issue of love today and Valentine's. Now, this is a Valentine's card that says, Happy Valentine's Day. That's nice, right? But, uh, you know, somebody who doesn't even know you could post this and send it to a billion people. That doesn't seem very personal. And, and also, what's missing from Happy Valentine's Day? What are the three special words that you would really want in addition to these words? Happy Valentine's Day, that's three. But there's three more that you would want to receive from somebody who's very special to you. What, what would those words be? Anybody know? I love you. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. So let's uh, wonder if God would ever write that to you or to anyone. I love you. I love you. There it is. wonder if God would write that, say that. Well, Today, we're going to turn to the one verse in the entire Bible where very directly and simply God is quoted as saying those three words, I love you. Now, all the Bible comprises testaments of God's love to us. In a big sense, this whole message, God's word, is a message of, I love you. I love you. It, it's a Valentine's message. It's, it's a message of God's redeeming love. God's redeeming love is at the heart of the good news. But let me ask you this. Do you know, or did you know before I sent out an email yesterday, what is the one passage in the Bible where we read God saying directly and simply those three words, at least translated into the English, I love you. What is the Valentine's verse of the Bible? Does anybody know? Could anybody possibly guess based upon my current sermon series, what book to which we should turn? What, what book do you think we should turn to for this message that centers God's lavish love for us. Anybody know? 
We're currently preaching on the book that is known as the book of Isaiah, so we may want to turn to Isaiah. Um, and today, as we turn to Isaiah, we're going to be turning to Isaiah chapter 43, of course, verses 1 through 4. But, but as we turn there, uh, I want to remind you that Isaiah, as we've been learning, is really a bridge that God has given us by his word between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, and we're going to be looking also at this issue of God's lavish love, which is of the Father for the Son, but by the grace and redeeming love of God, and by the work, the atoning, perfect work of God the Son, Jesus, we can celebrate that love, divine love, that comes from the Father to the Son and through the Son to us. So, we're going to be turning to that once God said, I love you. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 4. We'll be looking at several other scriptures today, quite a few others, but uh, this is our opening passage, and I invite you to turn with me as we open God's word. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 4. And heads up, your key verse is... 4b. Okay? Hear now God's word. But now, turning point here, but now, thus says Yahweh, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am Jehovah, I'm Yahweh, the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Shiva in exchange for you. Verse 4, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. God's love the testaments of God's love, run throughout the scriptures. These are testaments of God's love, but, but in the center of it all, we have this, this theme that God chooses whom he loves, and it's all about grace in the choosing. So, we see this running throughout the scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 7, for instance, we see this message that God chooses Israel, not because Israel is special unto itself, not because it stands out, not because the people of Israel stand out as the 
greatest people of the ancient world. No, far from it. Quite the opposite, God says. But God chooses. So Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 8, for instance. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Why? Well, (laughs) verse 7, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. The Lord's treasured possession. The Lord chooses. This is the message all through the scripture. But, but notice, we're not talking about, sometimes on Valentine's Day, you know, you'll say, why did she pick him or why did he pick her? It's really blind love, right? And it's kind of cute to see blind love in action. Really? <laughs> That's your choice. But you have to understand, God is not choosing blindly. God sovereignly knows all the sin and the foibles and the problems of Israel. God sovereignly knows all your sin and mine. This is not blind puppy love that we're talking about with God. It's quite the opposite. It's the total opposite. But God chooses you. Amazing love. How can it be? This is a choosing love that we're dealing with It's grace that we're talking about. God precisely knowing our problems, our sin, what we will cost him, chooses us. Now, that's grace. (laughs) That's grace. And he chooses Israel. And by extension, we see this, and the Apostle Paul carries this very heavily into the New Testament to be his segula, his treasured possession. This is a theme that runs all through the scripture, runs all through the scripture. You see it all the way back in Exodus 19 when God makes covenant with Israel and says, you're going to be my segulah, that's the Hebrew, my, my treasured possession. You know what? We all are looking forward to heaven, right? And some people will say, well, I can't wait to see the streets of gold or I can't wait to see this or that. You know what the most treasured possession of God in heavenly communion will be forever? Through Jesus, it's us. <laughs> this is the amazing message that we, we see prophetically proclaimed in the Old Testament and carried all the way through the New Testament when we share in the inheritance, the glorious inheritance of Jesus Christ, and in fact are part of his treasured possession. That's how much God loves his people whom he chooses and saves, and he will brook no limitation 
to redeem, to pay the price for his people. You see this already in this message of love. Why? It, it's a message of love. Ahava. This is the Hebrew. We don't see this. I mean, in the Semitic languages, there are a lot of these words that track pretty much through the various languages. Hebrew develops ahava in a way that is unseen in the other Semitic languages. It's this message that God is preparing through his people Israel about a love that transforms and transports all the way over to the New Testament. If you know anything about Greek, you know there are eight different words for love in Greek right? And there's four that are used notably in the New Testament, but there's one word that the New Testament claims as its own for love, agape, a love that is unconditional, that will not die, and that will give itself totally for the other. From ahava to agape, you can remember that, right? all the way through the Bible. And God tells us this is what he is doing in his testaments of love. Now, you take that from uh, Deuteronomy 7 and Exodus 19, and you track it all the way through the Old Testament, and we come to another verse that is amazing in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, Jeremiah 31, verse 3. I'm going to turn to Jeremiah here. And then we're going to talk about how Isaiah is the key connector here. So, Jeremiah 31. I'll read you verses 1 through 3, but 3 is our key verse for today. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword and found grace in the wilderness when, the, when Israel sought for rest, the Lord, Yahweh, appeared to him from far away or long ago. And here it is, Jeremiah 31, 3b. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Why does God stay with Israel? Why did God make covenant with Abraham in the first place, being sovereign and omniscient and knowing what was going to come down the road? Why? Because of God's abiding, eternal love. Did you hear that? I have loved you with an everlasting love. Bahabat? Olam, that's the Hebrew. Oh man, that is out of this world, yes. That's the Valentine's card you want to get. That is the one that is forever, that everlasting love. And, and remember, in your Old Testament, right, these verses that I just read you, where is the new covenant most centrally proclaimed. I, I know it's repeated in Ezekiel, but where do we get the prophecy of the new covenant in its glory? This same chapter. You keep reading Jeremiah 31, right? From the statement of God has claimed his people with an everlasting love. And God says, I'm going to make a new covenant. 
I'm going to put my word, my law in your heart. And you will live in my word. You won't just talk about my love and try to teach each other. Everyone will know and live and love in my word. So where's our connector? Well, let's go back to Isaiah chapter 43. And we're going to see that this also carries us into that new covenant. And in other words, literally into the New Testament. So, um, Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. So, the Lord through Isaiah, by this point in the book, is prophesying not only about the Babylonian captivity, but also the return and how God is going to redeem his people and bring them back, ultimately gathering all his people together for holy worship of the holy God. God looks all the way back to how he brought his people, redeemed his people out of slavery in Egypt and paid the ransom for them, even giving up entire nations so that he could set his people free. But he's also talking about what's going to happen with Babylon and Persia. And then this is prophesying all the way through what is out in front of you and me right now too. Okay, That's all what's going on here in this part of the book of Isaiah. Uh, God has just been talking about and Isaiah has just been relaying how Israel is unfaithful, the unfaithful servant. Israel's called to be the faithful servant. Israel is not the faithful servant, but we have the first of several songs about the faithful servant, in other words, the Messiah, who's going to come and restore all things. We're back then to this dynamic of Israel being under fire and judgment, and then we come to, but now. Isaiah 43, verse 1, but now. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel. Now notice, Jacob, Israel, doubling, right? Same things. Okay, and then notice these verbs. Who created you? The verb there, the Hebrew verb there is bara. It's the verb that is used, the predominant verb in Genesis chapter 1, the creation. Okay, 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God created them male and female. Genesis 1:27, bara. But then you go over to Genesis chapter 2, okay? And God takes the dirt and the rivers are flowing. So in other words, you have clay and God the potter forms human beings, yatsar. So the two different key verbs for how we are made as human beings, how you are made, bara and yatsar, you have them right here in Isaiah 43, 1. He who created you, bara, O Jacob, he who formed you, Yatsar, O Israel. And now the command, fear not. First John, we included it. You know, I gave you a really long call to worship because I wanted you to be into scripture about love. First John 418, right? Perfect love cast out fear. 
1 John 4.18. God commands, fear not. Even though you've been totally sinful, even though you've had to go into exile, even though you are under judgment, fear not. I am commanding you, fear not. Why? Why? Three. Three anchors. Get a lot of threes in this passage I'm giving you. A lot of threes. Fear not. What's the anchor? Number one, I have redeemed you. Number two, I have called you by name. Number three, you are mine. I have redeemed you. I bought you back. I've called you by name, and you are mine. Um, back when we looked at Deuteronomy 7, the term there was for ransom. Pada. Here. Here. I have redeemed you is Gaal. Now, I know I'm giving you Hebrew when we go through Isaiah, but you really need to know this. Jesus is ultimately our kinsman redeemer. This is a theme that runs all through the scripture. You need to know that. He is your blood kin. He is our Goel. This is the promise that runs prophetically through the Old Testament into the New Testament. You may remember, for instance, under the law, if somebody lost their property or if a family lost their family line and future, a kinsman redeemer could come in and redeem the land and redeem the future of the family. You may remember in the book of Ruth, the big issue is, is there a kinsman redeemer who is going to step forward? And the answer ultimately comes through Boaz marrying Ruth. You all remember this, right? He, the, the whole conversation that Naomi and Ruth are involved in is, will there be a Goel, a kinsman redeemer? And, and we get this answer, and the, the, kind of the answer is, well, is it Boaz? Or is it Obed, the son who is born, who becomes the father of Jesse, who becomes the father of David? And the answer is, yes, both. And the answer is, ultimately, somebody coming through that line is the real Goel, Jesus. And the kinsman redeemer steps in to restore us and to buy us out of slavery and to give us a home and a future. So that's what God's talking about here. Um, fear not, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. That means you're mine. I've called you by name. I've given you the name. I'm sovereign over you, but I love you with a sovereign love. When people are in love, they usually give each other a name, don't they? I've called you by name. Number three, you are mine. So, yep, you're going to have to go through tribulation. You have gone through tribulation. You're going through more. God in the Bible consistently says, I will be with you through the tribulation. You don't have to fear. God does not say, I'm going to zap you out of the river. I'm going to pop you up like, you know, Star Trek to get you out of the flood or the fire. 
that's some kind of 20th and 21st century Christian invention that gets popped into the Bible. That, that's not what the Bible is consistently talking about. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Not I'll take you out of the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. You've got to go through the rivers, but they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. The flame shall not consume you. Now, key for judgment in the Old Testament, water, right, Noah, and what's coming, fire, judgment. So God's saying, I'm going to bring you through. I'm going to bring you through because I love you that much. Even if the prognosis is you have terminal cancer and you are dying, I will be with you. Why? Verse 3, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You see there the three? God just identified who he is. Three, I am the Lord your God, number one, the Holy One of Israel. You've heard me say this is in the book of Isaiah 13 and 13, 26 times. 13 in the first part, chapters 1 through 39, 13 in the second part, and you're seeing it a lot right here. I am the Lord your God, number one. I am the Holy One of Israel. And I am your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Shiva in exchange for you. I'm willing to give up nations for you. I'll pay the whole world for you, God is saying. This is incredible. And historically, he did this in the Exodus, and he does it again when Persia takes over Egypt and allows the Jews to come back to Jerusalem. It's incredible. And now our key verse, verse 4. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. You see the other three there? Here's our other three, right? Because you are number one, precious in my eyes, number two, and honored, and number three, those little words we've been looking for, right? And I love you. I give men in return for you. People in exchange for your life. When you've been captured, and when you're in a refugee camp, or when you're in prison with a whole bunch of other addicts, Daddy comes for you, and he'll pay anything to get you out. That's what he's saying. And historically, geopolitically, he really did that and continues to do that for his people. Now, this verse goes on, or this passage goes on. We'll turn it a long time down the road when we get to this in looking at Isaiah, but you need to know this passage today, I believe, not simply because it's Valentine's Day and Transfiguration Sunday, because it gives you a point of reference for Isaiah and all the rest of the scripture, all the rest of the scripture, which ask this question, how can you get from Israel's horrible sin and our horrible sin to I have loved you with an everlasting love? How can you get from Deuteronomy 7 
and Exodus 19 where Israel needs to be faithful, their incredible unfaithfulness, all the way over to the possibility of a new covenant and everlasting love. How did he come up with that? Well, another key point of reference in Isaiah. This one I've already turned to many times in this brief series so far. We'll keep returning to it. Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 5. We want to be loved, right? Well, guess what he was willing to do for us? The total opposite of being loved on earth. He was despised. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. No one gave him a card saying, I love you. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds or by his wounds, we are healed. You want the real Valentine card that tells you you will be loved forever? I just read it to you. You want to know what Isaiah 43, 4 is talking about for real? Isaiah 53, 5. There it is. There it is. And that's the only way we can come to this table. That's the only way through him. And so when we remember Transfiguration Sunday, it is an incredible testimony of amazing love. You remember that when Jesus was baptized, the voice from heaven, the voice of the Father, as the heavens broke open, the voice of the Father says to the Son, you are my Son, my beloved. With you I'm well pleased. Fast forward to the transfiguration. This time Peter, James, and John get to hear that message and are called to obey and follow and listen to Jesus. And so it is with us. So incredibly, the Father's love, which is without limit and everlasting for his eternal Son, is given to us through the Son himself, the Beloved One. That is the Valentine message. That is the message of the good news. That is God's grace in love, in action for us. So just a couple more verses for you. I'll, I'll give them to you. I have them here. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, we didn't do a thing. Didn't do a thing. That's grace. Don't trust in yourself. That's the message and that will set you free. It has nothing to do with how good looking you are or how good you are. All that stuff will fade. As I head to the grave, as you head to the grave, we all know this, right? What we trusted in 20, 30 years ago dies. It's all from him. 
1 John 4.10, in this is love. Not that we loved God. We didn't do a thing, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The opening of this uh, Isaiah passage that I read for you today, Isaiah 43.1, in the Chosen movie series that I commended to you guys when we were making our way through Mark that a few of you know and love, um, the opening segment or the opening part of that series when Jesus heals Mary of Magdala, the backstory, which is not in the Bible, of course, but uh, when Mary of Magdala is a young girl, her dad quotes to her in her key Bible verse that she knows by heart is from Isaiah 43, 1 and following. And when she is possessed by demons, and when she's going by another name and nobody knows her, Jesus comes to her, confronts her. She's trying to run away from Jesus. And Jesus quotes and says, I have redeemed you. You are mine. I have called you by name. Mary. Mary of Magdala. And she's overwhelmed. And he delivers her from her demons. And the devotional from The Chosen says this. Fear not. You're not who you're going to be. Fear not. God can redeem you from your choices and use them for good. Fear not. God can heal your heart, your body, and your relationships. Fear not. You were made for more than you've experienced so far in your sin. Fear not. God's love never ends. And this is only the beginning of an eternal communion with him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.